We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank member FDIC. Maddie Lane, go Bengals! <laughs> um, we... We are here. We're live. We're at a new time. We wanted to get this bad boy in before the uh, Monday night football game started. I, I pitched just making this uh, a Bengals-Bills watch-along that was shot down by the higher-ups in, uh, in the organization. Um, so instead, here we are coming at you guys early, live, before the game starts. We, we might touch on the Bills-Bengals before we get out of here at the end as the game starts up. But we got to talk about the big, the big news first, Craig. Brian Branch has officially declared for the NFL draft <laughs> Alabama safety, quite possibly the best non-pass rusher in this entire draft class. He he declared today, so that was good news. I'm glad this happened. I mean, anybody who's a K-State fan is very well aware of who Brian Branch is. He completely wrecked your game plan this past weekend for Alabama. He's really good that you might want a safety in the draft. We'll get there. That's a great spot to take one at the bottom of the first round. That guy <laughs> might go before then, though. He is that level of good. Yeah, and when Maddie says higher-ups, he means me. I don't want to sit in front of a camera <laughs> for three and a half hours and talk about something that's not the Chiefs. That, that <laughs> does not sound This like works because Craig is great, and he also is like higher up in the air than I am. He's very tall. So I shot it down too, but I'm shorter than you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how this works. <laughs> I mean, the higher ups did shoot down the idea of going live after Chiefs or after Bengals Bills too. Oh, my higher ups, I, I mean, I Craig. put that in the dirt. I put that in the dirt real yeah. fast. You tried to make me stay up until midnight to talk about a non-Chiefs game. There look, was zero chance. Look, that was I just feel like that's a that's a golden opportunity to react to something that has a great Live impact show. on the chiefs and uh there's there's one more game left for the kansas city chiefs in the regular season uh after the chiefs defeated the denver broncos last night yesterday afternoon sorry 
27-24, kind of an ugly game. But, okay, I, I, I want to start with this. And it's positivity. I know. And, you know, like, I know there's plenty of things to, to, to you know, look at with this team and stuff. We're, we're getting close to that time where, hey, look, what you are is what you are. And hopefully it's enough to, you know, achieve what this team is capable of doing. But we're sitting here in January. The Chiefs, have, they, have, they have achieved 13 wins for the fifth time in franchise history, twice under Mahomes. This is only the second time Patrick LeVon Mahomes has done this in his career. And he did it in 16 games. It's just, it's been such a roller coaster for us as Chiefs fans navigating the expectations that we have because Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback of this football team while acknowledging that this is a little bit of a, a reset year for this team where they leaned extremely heavily on rookies, where they overhauled the wide receiver group, where you know they've, they've made a lot of structural changes to this team. And here they are best record through 16 tied for the best record or no wait second best record through 16 games for Mahomes uh in a in a regular season like i don't know guys it there's a lot of things that you want to we want to be you know focusing on because we ultimately the goal is not to to quit playing in january it's to play in february and we talk so much about this team you know and 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 getting this team to february and how it's going to get to february but at the same time, ugly win yesterday, but that's the 13th one of the year in what is we've all kind of considered a down year where the AFC West came gunning for him, where the AFC as a whole came gunning for him. And yes, they've struggled against the two teams playing tonight. But at the same time, here we are. We're we're, we're looking at a 13 and three football team. And like, I want to just take a second off the top to appreciate that because regardless of all the things that we've talked about over the last four months and the patience that we needed to show this football team and the grace we needed to show this. They're 13 and three. Yeah. Um, they, they very much are 13 and three. That is, that is a fact. <laughs> okay. Um, we can't, great. We can't Matthew. argue that. Okay. I, you know, I, I don't know where we're going with this one. So, you know, I'm trying to beat around those. I'm trying to process this just as the listeners are, as you're saying it, because I, I don't know where we're going with this. My mind jumps to, at what point in time of the year do we no longer get to call this some kind of rebuild year, some kind of down year, and stuff like? At what point in time this season did this change from a rebuild year to just a normal year? Like, yes, they still have places and pieces they need to add and get help at, and specifically important positions. But it's not like they're sitting on an insane excess of draft capital or cash to go make these moves. It's not like they have been preparing for this rebuild and all of a sudden are ready to make this big strike next year. Like, yeah. They have a couple extra picks, but it's not like they're loaded. So I don't know if it's fair to still say they're rebuilding or retooling or whatever it is. They're just a good football team that definitely doesn't have the same upper tier talent that they did when they had Tyreek Hill or when Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew were both playing really well. They're not that same team anymore that's just heads and tails better than everyone they're going to play and they're only ever going to lose when they play a down game. Other teams in the NFL can now match their play and beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs' A-plus game can be beaten now. Three years ago, it couldn't be. That's that, that's the difference. Like I don't know if it's rebuilding. They kind of peaked. They hit what they had to, and now they have to figure out how to go forward with different contracts and different players. I just don't know if they're still rebuilding. And they're still a good team. I'm not taking anything away from it. They're a great team. 
They're fighting to be the first, you know, they're tied for the best record in the NFL. They're getting ready to, you know, they're sitting here in position to have a buy and be the one seed in the AFC. It's a good team. I just don't know if we can keep holding on to this rebuilding and this down year thing. I don't, maybe they never planned on it being that. Maybe they just thought it would look differently. Uh, I think from the standpoint of contractually next year, a couple decisions obviously that need to be made, but they can largely fit everything that they want to under the cap next year already. Even with franchise tagging Orlando Brown Jr., they'll still be fine, even without making a whole bunch of moves there. And so I guess from that perspective, looking at it and going, oh, hey, maybe this is you know a rebuild, a reset, whatever you want to call it. You know, at the beginning of the year, you gave yourself the ability to do that, and you haven't had that for the past couple of years. And so uh, from that perspective, it looks different. Obviously, trading away Tyree Kill looks a lot different. But it is one of those that as the season has gone along – yeah, you definitely need to recalibrate your expectations. I, I believe right there in the chat, Matt Kintner put, we would all have taken 13-3 and three at the beginning of the year. Absolutely, 1,000% we would have. And then in the middle of the year, it's like, oh, man, there's a shot at the one seed. Like, this is one of the NFL's best teams. And so you look at it from that lens because, you know, expectations shift. Things change throughout the course of the year, and they have continued to change, which is why you know, we come off of a game like yesterday and we go, man, that was a little sloppy. That's a little sluggish. They get taken to overtime by the Houston Texans. Ugh, that's a little sloppy. That's a little sluggish. This happens every year, though. Like, I mean, I I, I want to go back, kind of looking at this. I, I think we we forget about it sometimes. Not not just like the three of us, we, but everybody, Chiefs fans in general, kind of forget about this sometimes. In 2018, in the last three games of the season, last four games of the season, they went to overtime against the Baltimore Ravens and won. They lost to the Los Angeles Chargers, lost to the Seattle Seahawks, and then beat down the Oakland Raiders in the very final game of the season. Obviously, they go to the AFC Championship game with that squad. That's Patrick Mahomes' you know, best year ever, one of the best offensive years in the history of football. Comes out of that, obviously, make a change at defense. What happens the next year? Down the stretch there, they let some bad teams hang around a little bit. That was obviously a much better defense. They closed out a little stronger than, you know, they allowed the Houston Texans to jump out on one playoff game, come back, they reset, they're able to get the victory there. 2020, a similar sort of deal. They went to the wire against a terrible Atlanta Falcons team in week 16. They lose the Los Angeles Chargers in week 18. He has backups there. But the New Orleans Saints, the week before that, the Chiefs were 13-1 and in that game and got taken to the wire by the Saints. Miami Dolphins, the week before they got taken to the wire. So this happens every single year. And so you're saying it's year, an Andy thing. It's an Andy thing. That's exactly what I'm getting to. It's an Andy thing. The man knows how to turn it on the playoffs. That's what it is. And we get to the end of the year here. He starts getting a lot more precious about some of the stuff that he's willing to show. And when it's not executed perfectly, it allows for some close games because he's not getting deep into the playbook, because he's not doing some of the stuff that we are about to see two or three weeks from now. Like it's going to be a completely different offense. It's going to look completely different. This stretch right here at the back end of the year, these last few games have historically been tight with Andy Reid at the helm. It hasn't matter who the defensive coordinator has been, how the defense has been playing, who's on the, you know, who, who the weapons are, any of that. It's historically been 
tight. And so, yeah, you look at it, it's like, man, just execute a little bit better. And even the, the you know, sort of vanilla stuff that Andy's doing works and you win bigger. And that's the complaint right now. But once we get to the playoffs, maybe that margin for error opens up a little bit more because the difference in game planning, the difference in what he's willing to get into his playbook and show opens that up a little more. And now all of a sudden, we're not having to talk so much about Harrison Butker and Tommy Townsend and James Winchester as much because maybe those points aren't going to matter in the same way that they would have in week 16. Tomorrow on the KCS Sutton Substack, I have broken down uh, the snap, hold, and kick process, what I know about it. Uh, I was a holder in college. It's like the only way I could get on the field. So uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I did write an article about it. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button if you're watching. Leave a comment. There's some really great comments flying around. But I have some very, very important news to give you all here today. Uh, the Chiefs game has been moved to Saturday at uh, 3.30 Central Time. At 2.30 Central Time in Weston, Missouri at Holiday Distiller, we are having a watch party where you and a plus one, if you so choose, can come hang out. And uh, and 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 hang out with us for a little bit of a watch party. Craig Stout will be there. I have learned. Uh, Maddie Lane uh, will not be more incentive to come. Uh, so you'll True. see Craig. You'll see Craig. You'll see Mad. Uh, you'll see Craig. You'll see Tucker, BJ, and myself. We're gonna be hanging out there. We're gonna be having a good time uh, watching uh, at the. I believe at the event space out there. It is beautiful out there. It's absolutely gorgeous out there. It's a fun place, and that game could just be all the more more fun for us as Chiefs fans if the Bengals take care of business today. I would just suggest it, it, there. There's some limited. There's some limited seating uh, there. Uh, there you know, we're not gonna. I don't know. There's there's a there's a cutoff at some point. But there is a link in the description of this show, whether you're watching live, whether you're listening uh, after the fact, to sign up uh, on our, our Google form. It's a watch party at Holiday Distillery in Weston, Missouri. It is a lot of fun. If you've been to any of the things that we've done out there, uh, you you know, it's, it's a really, really fun time out there. Uh, so sign up, come hang out with us. You will enjoy it. Okay. Um, I want to talk about the defense a little bit here off the top. Let's go there. I mean, I don't know. There's some, you know, there's some stuff on the offensive side of the ball too. The defense, it feels like I, one of the things I like rewatching and just thinking back out loud again, it just feels like there's like, we're still seeing like these, like it kind of ties to the stuff I was talking about earlier. The rookies are still like, they're all showing up at every level of the defense in some capacity. Even Leo Chanel had some moments this week. Trent McDuffie, I thought, played a very, very good football game. Obviously, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson had a little bit of a rough go. But for the most part, it was just fun to watch those rookies continue to go out there and play some football. It's just, again, it's just wild to me to see this young football team, especially on defense, making plays. And I think, you know, there there were some bright spots for all of them again. I'm flabbergasted we're starting on defense right now. And I am just, I am (laughs) floored. They can't, like, openly chose to start... Oh, dude, this only happens when it's like the Indianapolis Colts game where the offense was completely inept. That's the only time this happens. This is this has caught me off guard. I have tabs and stuff ready for offense, and we're over here talking defense now. I w- I wasn't ready for this. Good, um, even better. So yeah, I I, mean, I think the rookies played well. I I think the defense as a whole played relatively well in this game. Uh, the Broncos averaged four point seven yards per play. 
if, you know, they did that for a whole year, well, that would be last in the NFL. So yeah, the Chiefs defense didn't look like they were playing great all the way through this game. There were times where like, wow, yet again, the Chiefs are giving up, you know, 20-ish points. I know the short field kind of changes stuff, but you know, giving up 17 points to the Denver Broncos if you take away the short field. And it's like, that doesn't seem great versus a Broncos offense that has been struggling, but then when you go dive into the numbers, okay, 4.7 yards per play, one of the lowest rates in the NFL, three for 12 on third downs. Again, you expand that out. One of the worst rates all year, if that were to be carried out. So the Chiefs defense did what they should. They smothered the Broncos. It didn't go well for the Broncos. And just the same thing that's kind of been plaguing the Chiefs on both sides of the ball year, relatively poor situational football led to the Broncos being able to put up points. They weren't having any consistency. They weren't controlling the game. Just they out-executed the Chiefs in certain situations that led to them scoring some more points than the box score, the rest of the stats tell you they should have. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Yes, absolutely. There's there's really uh, there's a short drive that occurs after a muff punt that is, is a touchdown there. Obviously, you hope the Chiefs defense steps up and gets a stop. They don't. That's you know something that happened. And then there was another drive that you look at that was a lot of penalties and extended multiple sets of downs that the Chiefs would have gotten off the field with penalties. So you take a look at those. Now, that's not excusing either one of those, but you figure out why all of a sudden. It's like, you know, most of the defense plays well on those scenarios. That one doesn't go their way. Then you've got two drives, essentially, that are long-ish touchdown drives and one at the end of the game there. But it's not something that we would be talking about very much if that was the case. You know, if you allowed 14 points to the Denver Broncos or 17 points to Denver Broncos, Oh, well, you know, like who cares? Because the game was in control the entire time. So uh, from the defensive point of view, 
that was good. It's about every third possession right now that the Chiefs defense is allowing some points. Um, you know, obviously you go back and as the year is, it's not it's not an average, but as of late, they're coming up with about two stops for every drive that they allow points in. And that reduces the number of points per drive. That that brings you down closer to like the two points per drive point or maybe a little bit lower. That's good. That's well within, you know, that's middle of the pack in the NFL. That's more than enough with what this offense typically does on a given day. So if that continues, if those sorts of, you know, basically every third drive you're allowing points, that's great. You want to tell me that the Chiefs are going to come up against like the Bills or the Bengals and every third drive they're going to allow points? Hell yeah. I feel good about what's going to happen in that scenario. I also feel good about what they're doing to affect the passer. I wrote KCSN Substack, uh, the KCSN Daily, in the postgame article. 54.2% of the dropbacks the Chiefs affected. That was either a sack, a hurry, or a batted pass. That's outrageously good. Over half the time that Russell Wilson dropped back to pass, he was having to deal with something extra. And I think I know that we get hung up a little too often in the pass rush, getting home, and things like that. They obviously did four four sacks that you come up with in a week is is really good. But it's the effectiveness of it those batted balls those hurries those things that can alter the game that aren't quite as identifiable that aren't quite as visible maybe to everybody as you're watching the game that changes things on defense and that's been the ramp up we talk about steve spagnolo and his ramp up at the end of the year that has been the ramp up this year it hasn't been defense wide and the points wide and everything like that but it's been the pressure, it's been the way they've been affecting the quarterback over the past four, five, six weeks that has really ramped up in a big way going into the playoffs. Seems like the four-man rush is starting to get a little bit better. You know, like you guys talk about, there's some there's some moments there. I mean, you saw Trent McDuffie get home on the blitz, uh, forcing that sack late, uh, you know, in, 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 the, in that game. You know, that was nice. Like, there's some moments there. You're right. Like, and there's there's some there's some big plays being made. Uh, and pass deflections. I think the Chiefs have two of the top in 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 pass deflections at the line of scrimmage with Carlos Dunlap and George Karloftis. That's not nothing. Like that's that's not nothing. Like making plays on the football and 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 killing those plays. Like there's a lot of value in in those things. So there's elements there to to be you know excited about. But like. I guess, like, I guess my whole thought with the defense here is we got one regular season game left. How in his bag do you think Steve Spagnuolo can get during crunch time? Like, is the, when the playoffs hit, how much, how much more dynamic do we think this this thing is gonna be? How how aggressive is he willing to be with some stuff here, Maddie? Like, I mean. Is this what this team is, or or what are we expecting from this defense when it comes to when it comes to crunch time? It's we're talking the playoffs, not specifically yeah. the Raiders game here, right? <laughs> I, Jared Stidham, I don't care. No, I don't. He played well against the Niners. I don't, I don't know. I, it might be worth it for Steve Spagnuolo to literally just throw every blitz he has, you know, that he's already put on film on film again versus the Raiders, because I feel like the blitz mm -hmm. rate's probably been dropping a little bit, right? Like, yes. and if that's your plan, if that's the way that Chiefs want to play this year because they need to protect some young corners because their safeties don't have the range and, you know, the quick diagnosis skills that they've had in the past when Tyron Matthew was here, that they don't feel comfortable blitzing that often versus good quarterbacks, 
maybe it'll be worth it to put all your blitzes back on tape again. So it's back in every, you know, opponent's mind when they go to play you. Cause I think that's been one of the things with the chiefs this year is when the four man pass rush wasn't getting home as well, or when it isn't the chiefs are relegated to having to blitz, but they almost seem a little hesitant to blitz this year because well, they have guys that are getting beat on the back end. They're not able to hold up on the back end even quickly, or if quarterbacks are just willing to throw the ball up for grabs, Joshua Williams in particular is very open to giving, getting some penalties. I mean, he is that we talked, Craig mentioned there was a drive extended on third down penalties. It was a third and fourth down penalty by Joshua Williams on that drive. So, you know, there's, it, I don't know if the Chiefs are going to be as blitz heavy as they've been in the past. They're never going to go away. I mean, you saw it on fourth down. They pulled the zone blitz that, you know, out of nowhere with Reed and McDuffie coming and Mike Dana dropping from, you know, a defensive tackle spot. So they'll still blitz. I just, I don't know what their plan is going into the playoffs. Are they tucking away some of these blitzes so they're not on film or are they doing it out of necessity? I don't know if it's a conscious choice to hide it or if it's a conscious choice because they need to have more players in coverage because they don't quite have the same, you know, minds and experience back there right now. So what Steve Spagnuolo gives you in the postseason, a little bit more of a question mark, I think, than years past right now. And both, uh, you know, maybe a good way, but potentially a bad way. We've seen him ramp it up. Maddie talks about it all the time, about his schematic, his game plan going into playoff games is just ludicrously good. It really is really, really good. Again, the only game that you could really think of that that did not go well for the defense was against the Buffalo Bills last year when they lost their all-pro, the, the leader of the secondary and the guy that kind of makes everything tick back there. You, they lost you, him me early. And, you, me, and Maddie were in the secondary for that game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, it was not great. That's the only one. The rest of the time, he's come up with really good game plans to try and stop teams, not just initially, but... As the game has gone along, it's been consistently evolving, which is kind of why we've been harping on it all year long. It's like they're, they're playing like three coverages. Like they're, they're, they're not really mixing it up in the way that he has in the past. So it makes you wonder, are they going to come out? Is it going to be exotic coming out of the playoffs? So it's going to be some, one of those things that he's just been like, hey, listen, we've got this tucked away. Justin Reed talked about it in the preseason, how this playbook was massive. The things that he needed to take in absorb and be able to execute on the coverage side of things they're not really using a lot of those right now or you know if there are certain tweaks certain variants yeah sure we're seeing some of those but overarching coverage changes we're not seeing in the same way that we have in previous years so it does make you wonder are we going to see some of those or is this just what it's going to be and if this is what it's going to be Spagnuolo better have a good game plan for run fits, better have a good game plan for how to bracket guys, how to take care of guys. We're seeing some shifts with Jerry Sneed following guys around the past couple of weeks. We're going to see more of that. I expect that against Devontae Adams this week. We'll talk about that later on. But I do think that we are seeing some tweaks, but not major ones. And so I do wonder if this is it, if this is going to be something that we are going to see a big overhaul, because if he comes out in the playoffs with a big overhaul and it works, well, I mean, <laughs> we've seen it before, but it, it would be a massive change for a very young defense. I guess I'm just curious if what we've seen is good enough. Do you, across board, yes or no, quick answer. Is what we've seen on defense good enough? Yes or no, Maddie? One answer, one word. I'm not, I'm not being pigeonholed into this one answer. 
The answer is yes, because of the years past, because I trust East Magnolia to come up with a game plan when it matters versus 95% of the opponents they might face in the playoffs. Okay. Greg? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. For, for similar reasons. And because this is the best pass rush he's had in Kansas City. It is. Yeah. It, it easily yeah. is. They can go too deep and still affect the passer right now. And he hasn't had that in Kansas City. So, yes, definitely yes. All right. Anything else on defense before we move on to the offensive side of the ball? Maddie, you look primed. Yeah, because I well, no, I had a pretty good transition to go to the offensive side of the ball. But I before we did that, I, I, Joshua Williams, what, what are we thinking here? Should he be losing more reps to Watson? What, what do we think? Or do you think you just got to let him keep trying to sink or swim because he is probably the guy that has a higher ceiling? He's more likely the future starting outside corner. than Jalen Watson's going to be. But. Boy, like it's getting pretty bad now. It's kind of becoming a week by week thing where there's going to be a drive where he's essentially giving the opponent, you know, converted well, third and longs, getting them into scoring position with his penalties. What what's the leash like? Do you think that leash is getting shorter and shorter? Yes, definitely shorter and shorter, and it probably should be. I mean, you the referees have zeroed in on him. Fair or not, they have zeroed in on him. Nah, he's he's given them plenty of opportunity to, but they have definitely targeted him as a guy that they need to watch. They haven't done that with 35. 35 hadn't been under the same scrutiny. I do believe that Josh Williams has played better. Don't get me wrong. Like I think that he's probably better, but there's only so much that you can do if you are basically allowing full drives worth of penalties to occur there, I, I know they want him to play physical. I know they want him to get up there and, you know, jam guys to the line of scrimmage, really affect these guys. Start out with that. If the refs are calling it, if you're seeing them, get warnings from the referees, maybe make the switch then. Uh, this from wonderful producer Jordan Foote. Great pull, buddy. Last four weeks, Joshua Williams versus Jalen Watson snap. So Joshua Williams will be first in this count, and Watson will be second. 36-26, uh, 16-20, 20-35, That's right. Jalen Watson played 75% of the snaps between like or th basically three times the snaps a little bit more than that actually but 48 to uh 48 to 14 Jalen Watson out snapping Joshua Williams this last week I believe boy it's really telling then that uh we keep talking about everybody not just us but like us or anybody talking about Joshua Williams and no one's talking about Watson outside of yo hey remember that time against the the Texans where they had a run that nobody was home on and he made a tackle. So mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that's worth knowing. So that, that leash has already been very shortened and I just don't know how many more chances he's going to get. I guess this week against the Raiders is a good one. Um, I did want to say when we were talking about, is the defense good enough? Do we think the defense is good enough? A lot of that depends on what the offense is doing because Correct. this team funnels through the offense. It's an offensive team. So I think like that's kind of the transition to the offensive side is just, a lot of the answer about how good I feel about the defense depends on how good I feel about the offense right now. And I mean, yeah. go on, Kit. Un unload offensive guy. Let's, let's do it. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. Just big picture, I feel good about the offensive side of the ball still. And like, I know it's not been the prettiest thing, you know, every single, you know, week, but I think what we've seen is all the elements are there for them to have some success. We've seen them kind of figure out the running game a little bit. We've seen them, like I think, Maddie, you brought up a really great point. We've seen them execute, you know, with some vertical stretch. We've seen them challenge in some areas outside of the numbers a little bit more. Like I think, you know, we've seen them be more efficient in the red zone when they've had their, you know, gadgety guys, you know, with the Kadarius Tony, with the McCole Hardman there. So like you've seen all these different pieces and elements to this thing. I do feel pretty good about the offense being able to 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 peak at the right time, especially like Mahomes. Like Mahomes, the Mahomes is the guy. He's the trigger man. He's not, you know. I, I don't want to say bored's not the right word. He didn't throw a pick because he was bored uh, this week <laughs> against the Broncos. It was a, it was a bad mistake, but I think you know he continues to calibrate and you know kind of adjust as the season goes on. I think you're going to get a very high level version of Patrick Mahomes. And I think we've seen so many elements of what this team has to pull from that. They're going to have plenty. And again, Andy Reed and the call sheet is going to be elite when they, when they roll into these playoff games. So I feel pretty good about where this team is. You know, I feel, I feel pretty good about this team across the board. If I'm being honest on, on the offensive side of the ball. So okay, this offensive performance was the Broncos. What would you give it on a one to 10 scale? Uh, uh, one to ten. You make me do math. Uh, make me do numbers in math again. Give me a like. It was like a five and a half. Like a five okay, and a half. Crack. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go six and a half on this one. Okay, so here we go again. The Chiefs playing the Denver Broncos, who are still one of the better defenses in the NFL. You know they had a Pass. terrible week before against the Rams, but they're still one of the better defenses in the NFL. Chiefs average 6.4 yards per play. If you expand that across the whole entire season, that would be tied for first with the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> at 6.4 yards per play. So here this 5.5 to 6.5 performance on a 1 to 10 scale from the Chiefs would still be good enough to, you know, not the end-all be-all metric, but a metric that tells you how good you are moving the ball on a play-by-play basis. They would still be the best offense in the NFL. Uh, I think that goes to show where our expectations lie with the team because it didn't look pretty. There were plenty of misses. A lot of stuff was left out there. So I think that funnels into it. But overall, the offense was, I mean, highly effective. Yet again, you flip over, you know, a missed field goal, you or a blocked field goal, not missed, blocked field goal. Yes. You flip yeah, over yes. Juju Smith-Schuster or MVS, your wide receiver, two and one, I guess, in this game. One of them just making above, an above average level play on the ball in the end zone before the interception. You're adding another seven points. This game is probably over at that point in time. So like, I, I get it. I get there's things to nitpick. Uh, I mean, the Chiefs third down offense, still really bad. Rough. Granted, they're still second in the NFL. Somehow, as bad as they've been the last three to four weeks, they are still second in the NFL and third down conversion rate. But that's bad. But everything else is still just fine for the offense. It's just fine. And they were trying stuff. They were trying to push the ball vertically. They were trying to get into heavier packages. I don't... I don't think, I know everyone's going to be mad they didn't run the ball a lot in that game. One, they were very ineffective when doing so. 
But two, even more so, I don't think that they were trying to just, you know, nickel and dime their way into an easy win over the Broncos. I don't think that meant anything to Andy Reid and the Chiefs to, you know, just beat the Broncos by putting it on the back, you know, on their running backs and their injured left guards, you know, on his ankle. Like that just wasn't, that wasn't in the cards. They were trying to perfect parts of the offense for the playoffs. So I don't get too wrapped up in that. I just know they were still pretty darn effective. Like at the end of the day, they were effective and we all know what they left out there. Sure. Yeah, it, it, it's that part of it. It's the left out there. It's the interception in the end zone. It's it's the missed blocked field goal. The you know the the missed extra point because Tommy Townsend didn't get the hold down. There uh, there's a number of things that we can absolutely explain. Some drops, some issues with that, but it's it's stuff that's been consistent over the last four. I think that is the the reason why it keeps coming up. The Chiefs over the last four weeks have only converted 38.6% of their third downs. If that was season long, that would be around 20th. So I know that they're you know they're they're way up there in the ranks and they've been first for basically all year long, but this four game stretch has actually dropped them down the rankings now. They they had a healthy lead in that stat and they just haven't converted well on third down. So we we all remember the drops from MBS Justin Watson a couple weeks ago. We remember, you know, some some mistakes from Patrick Mahomes this week on third down that he would definitely want back. So it is one of those that that you watch and you're just like, it, it, but this we expect perfection, and that's what it is. Kent led with that, you know, when the podcast was starting up here, we expect perfection because Patrick Mahomes is probably going to win the MVP. They are the number one offense in the league in just about every measurable metric, including DVOA, despite the fact that they are 28th in variance. That's their week-to-week performance. They are still head and shoulders the best offensive DVOA team in the league. There's a number of things that we could just break down and say, listen, they're awesome at this, they're awesome at this, they're awesome at this. And yeah, by the way, that run game, even though it's not stellar some of the times and it wasn't stellar against the Broncos, it still is effective in moments. And I expect it to be effective in the playoffs as Andy gets into his bag a little bit more. So I'm not worried about the offense. I I, I fully expect that this is going to turn on. It'll be a light switch that comes on. I don't think that we're going to see like this super trick plays and crazy stuff all of a sudden. It's just going to be, it's going to be executed better and it's going to be tailored to the opponent that's not to say that they don't have stuff or didn't have stuff to try and beat the broncos this week but they definitely were trying to get stuff under their belts trying to get some repetitions it's going to be a lot different when you are tailor made game planning for an opponent in the playoffs when you can just kind of open up the full playbook and go hey do me a favor if you're listening if you're watching hit that like button Hit the subscribe button again. Helps us grow KC Sports Network. Helps more Chiefs fans find it. We got like 18 shows running during Chiefs season, so uh, make sure you're checking that out uh, and make sure you're hitting the like button, the subscribe button. It, it definitely does help as we're growing the channel. So, one interesting fact: the Chiefs have been under four yards per carry three of the last four weeks. And I think you know when we talk, you, Matt, you talk on a per play perspective. It was just so lopsided. You know, there was no. They weren't having run success, so I think that's where you kind of knock the game a little bit. Um, but at the same time, like I mean, they 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 had plenty of success offensively. I I just think like if you're looking at like, hey, how is this performance from a from a whole from a holistic perspective? Like that's where you start getting a little bit nitpicky about some of this stuff. Uh, but 
again, like I like I said at the top, I'm not I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. I think we've seen them show and display enough elements. You know, if they don't if they don't beat themselves, then nobody will beat them. I think That's it's it. still I think it's still the motto. I think it's you know, and it's it's been the case for the vast majority of of the Mahomes era, but I think that means more than it ever has with the ball with turning the ball over. You know, like if they if they can if they can protect the football during the rest of January, a lot of really good things are going to happen for this football team, and we're going to be talking about them all the way into February. So that's kind of where I stand on that. All right, what do you, anything else on offense you guys want to get to? Uh, any 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 big pressing issues? Anything any tab you have open, Matthew? I mean, we've briefly talked about the run game. I I don't care about not. I think I mentioned earlier. I don't care about not running the ball against the Denver Broncos. What is, what is flexing the run game against the Denver Broncos and, you know, the week 17 game, like really, really accomplished, right? It helps you win that game, but no one's going to all of a sudden start looking at the chiefs as a run first team. You're just trying to win that specific game. And I'm not saying that doesn't matter, but the chiefs did, they went and won it and that didn't end up mattering. So I don't care about not running, rerunning the ball. I'm, I was much happier to see them try to push the ball downfield, try to put the ball vertically on the outside. Now, they didn't connect a ton. Tony caught a couple. They hit Justin Watson on a deep corner route. Like they were able to find some success on those plays. That's going to matter a lot more for this team going into the playoffs because now someone's going to see that and they're like, oh, wow, we're a Patrick Mahomes footwork issue away from MVS having a 60 yard touchdown where, you know, a th- ball being slightly overthrown on MVS on a double move or him just not tracking it super well from there being another long touchdown. And there's the sky more drop underthrown pass. Like, there's enough stuff out there that I think that matters a lot more to opposing defenses, seeing the Chiefs being able to get guys open vertically. Having wide open players downfield and just missing the throw is going to mean a lot more. That's going to scare defenses a lot more than if Isaiah Pacheco had nine more carries for 31 more yards in this game. Like that just, that wouldn't have, I don't think, mattered at all. So I was kind of, kind of happy the way they went. They might come out this week against the Raiders and just try to pound the rock and just try to get out with the game. I don't know what they'll do. And he's going to pick something that they want to work on for the playoffs. And it's going to be there. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if it's the vertical passing game again is discombobulated. It looked last week, like it might happen again, but whatever it is, they're going to pick something that's going to matter for the playoffs. I think that's what this last off, you know, the game plan was based around and it had, it had mixed results, but I don't get bent up about the not running part of it. Yeah, I, defensive coordinators are terrified of giving up explosive plays. Like that is the number one thing. Like it, they they hate it. It keeps them up at night. It doesn't matter who it is. It's not like there's defensive coordinators that are sitting there going, "Well, they don't have Tyreek, so we can play single high all game." No, yeah. if they're seeing guys get open, if they're seeing those routes there, and even if it's not connecting, it's still going to be one of those. It's like, oh hell, okay. It's third and this. We got it. This. We, uh, there's that look again. We saw him get vertical. It, you know, it's it's going to change the way you think. You hit on one. You hit on two, which they did this past week. Hit on a couple of those. Now you've got Lou Anaromo sitting there going, "Damn it!" Now they're there's they're trying that stuff again. It's not just taking what's in front of them. It's not just forcing them to play patient and trying to take that stuff away and rally to the ball. We got to make sure we stay over the top of this stuff. I know that MVS isn't the most reliable hands person in the world there, but man, that's that's all it takes. That's all it takes to knock a defense into 
you know, split safety coverages, protecting their corners, making sure that they keep everything over the top is one. Like that's all it takes is one or the threat of one. And the Chiefs this week definitely put that threat on tape. All right, stickers, slaps, and spirits time. Uh, I know we're all getting ready for uh, for a big Monday night football game. So we're going to do stickers, slaps, and spirits, and then we'll do one other quick thing before we get out of here. Uh, my helmet sticker goes to Justin Reed. I thought he had potentially his best game uh, as a chief this week, getting used a little bit more close to the line of scrimmage at times. But also, I have to give him a helmet sticker for this tweet he just put out uh, about 30 minutes ago, really hoping Higby can catch a few touchdowns today. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh, oh it's, it's perfect, perfect. but oh, slapping a good job matthew what you got uh God, i don't ever remember i'm next um <laughs> slap to uh sky Moore. um we saw a slight uh, not even an uptick in snap count it was just really the usage i think he still played about what 15 snaps which is barely up from his average uh justin watson's dipped down it didn't seem like a lot went to sky Moore, but when he was out there you saw the Chiefs fling the ball out to him a little bit on these little like wide receiver screens. You saw them get him going on some jet motions that they were trying to turn into some wheel routes. They did it a couple times. Denver was on top of it. You saw him get the seam route. It looked like he was actually involved in the offense, not just being a guy thrown out there to hold a position on the backside of a formation. Again, everything Andy Reid was doing these last two weeks is going to be for a purpose. I think there's a reason that Sky Moore played roughly the same amount of snaps but all of a sudden was involved in real parts of the Chiefs offense going forward. And he, I mean, he did well when he had the chances too. Like, I don't want to skip over that. He did a really good job on the few chances that he did got besides the, you know, drop low pass on the seam route. Well, you guys, once again, left Jarek McKinnon and Chris Jones, both on the table there, <laughs> but I, I toasted them last night. No so shout out to them. But um, my whole ass bottle of vodka is going to Blake Bell for being the 11th, touchdown cake bell being the 11th touchdown pass different person that patrick Mahomes has thrown a touchdown pass to this season i obviously getting immediately integrated back into the chiefs with their heavy personnel showing a little more of that his ability to come in and have that one catch for 17 yards is so important to this offense it really is it gives them that extra little dynamic we've seen noah gray grow into stuff Having Blake Bell being a guy that they can trust to go in there, block on 95% of the plays that he's going to be on, but still be a dynamic enough weapon receiving to go out and make a play. So whole last bottle of vodka to Blake Bell there. That's wonderful. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Jones getting some love uh, from the chat. Uh, who we let give a game ball out. Jarek McKinnon getting some love. Uh, the offensive line, they were solid in pass protection, getting some love there too. Before we get out of here, uh, thanks everybody again, hitting the like button, hit the subscribe button, please. I want, because this is going to post, you know, tonight and a lot of people will be listening on their drive to work tomorrow. I want to pretend for three minutes that the, that the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Buffalo Bills on Monday night football so that if you're driving home or if you're driving to work or whatever tomorrow, this is relevant. And if not, you can shut it off early. That's fine. But I just want to pretend for three minutes, like the Cincinnati Bengals have beaten the Buffalo bills. How excited are you to get a one seed Matthew? I thought we were going to predict this game um, or talk about <laughs> who we wanted to win. 
Um, I wasn't ready for this because I had I had the ultimate heel well, turn no, what, ready. What was Zero chance I root for the Cincinnati Bengals and that fraudulent team that was the luckiest team to ever play in a Super Bowl. No chance in hell do I root for the Cincinnati Bengals and all of their fake swagger and fake coolness to ever win a football game against a genuinely cool and fun football team like the Buffalo Bills. The Patriots can beat the Bills next week. The Cincinnati Bengals can lose out. They lose their first game in the playoffs for all I care. That fake team has people that follow them tweeting from the stadium that fans from both sides supposedly are chanting F the Chiefs and a game that doesn't even involve the Chiefs. And you guys want me to root for that garbage team? Zero chance. Get the Bengals all the way out of here and their fraudulent selves. No I love it. chance. I love it. Absolutely love it. Just love it. Um, hey, let's let's go get the one seat. Like, I mean, seriously, it doesn't matter who it is. Like, go get the Look, one seat. That, that, that you can say everything. Nice. You can say everything you just wanted right now, and and the Bengals still can still catch these hands if they wind up making it to Arrowhead. So can, so can the Bills. The I Bills hope they lose seat. seventy-nine to zero. If, if you're still listening to this, the Chiefs have uh, have achieved the opportunity to earn the onesie with the win over the Las Vegas Raiders. You can come hang out at the at the Holiday Distillery. There is a link uh, to sign up for that. There is limited capacity, so make sure you sign up. You can bring a plus one to it. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun hanging out, watching Chiefs Raiders with the Chiefs having a chance to earn the one seed next week. That is going to do it for the Casey Laboratory. Thank you so much. Go Bengals today! You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.